What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sports 360. I'm Jeff Fennell, and I'm here with my man, Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob, what's up? Hey, what's going on, Jeff? Rob, I'm I'm back in the saddle with you, man. So you know I'm doing all right. <laughs> this is this is the <laughs> place to be, you know, sitting up here, man, and just you know getting a chance to kick around the different issues that are out there in sports. Um, you know, we both took in the All Star Game um, from afar. <laughs> <laughs> don't want anybody to think we had tickets to the NBA All-Star game this weekend, this past weekend. But, um, you know, there was some good and some not so good stuff there. Um, but, you know, I really did enjoy that. And I'll tell you, Rob, I'm looking forward. I am looking forward to, you know, the second half of the NBA season. How about you? Yeah, man. Listen, the the All-Star weekend was, like you said, up and down good and bad, <laughs> but the the second half of the NBA season is sure to be some must-watch must TV. Yeah, I mean, I, I think all basketball fans, all NBA basketball fans are looking forward to, you know, Ben Simmons making his debut with the Brooklyn Nets and James Harden making his debut with the Sixers. And it seems like that may happen this week. Um, yeah. There's talk certainly for Harden to you know play by the end of this week when when play resumes, and I think Ben, you know, talk about him ramping up physically and getting ready to come back. Um, you know, Kevin Durant is still out, but you know it will be interesting to see Ben Simmons in a, in a Nets uniform. Yeah, it'll be. Uh, we'll see how he fits. You know, we had our our conversation last week, a couple of weeks ago about you know, if this trade was made, how they would fit on the teams and stuff like that. So it'll be very interesting to see how these teams fare. We'll see um, if there are any changes. I know there were some talks about the New York City mayor making some changes to the vaccine mandate. And obviously that affects Kyrie Irving's ability to play at home. So we'll see how that, you know, kind of comes together down the road as well. So like I said, man, must watch TV for the NBA moving forward. Yeah, I saw that too, man, where um, uh, Mayor Adams, Mr. Yes. Swag, <laughs> <laughs> he goes around talking about a mayor has to have swagger. <laughs> have you seen that? Did you see that press conference? I did, yeah. <laughs> that thing was hilarious, man. Man. You know, you got to have swagger. So Mr. Swagger, yeah, I saw that um, where he said that they were pulling back in New York on the mandates. And he said he can't wait till that happens, but he's following the experts. But you're right. That could mean Kyrie Irving now uh, being able to play home games. Um, but, you know, they need KD back, bro. Yeah, yeah that that Thanks, team man. needs KD back. Yeah, he's there. He's their number one. He's the leader of that team. He's the number one player, you know, arguably the best player in the world when healthy. So if, if the Nets are going to make any moves this year, championship-wise, because that should be the goal with that kind of squad, KD needs to be back and healthy. Sure does. <clears throat> he sure does. Now, um, there, there was some other news, though, coming out of the All-Star game. Because right before the All-Star game, Chris Paul hurt his hand. 
And then it was announced that, you know, he might be out six to eight. He's going to be out six to eight weeks now with that hand injury. And, you know, Phoenix has the best record in the NBA right now, the Phoenix Suns. But without Chris Paul, look, they still have a lot of talent, you know, and they still will win their share of games, but they are going to miss Chris Paul. Yeah, the dude is on the court, off the court, a, a bona fide leader. And he is the guy on that team. I know they have, you know, Devin Booker. They have Bridges, who's who's doing his thing. That she's playing great basketball. And like you said, a couple other pieces as well. But Chris Paul is is the glue of that squad. And we saw that last year, and we've continued to see that this year. He's having a great season again. Um, so we're gonna see how they fill that void. Obviously, they can't replace him per se, but they're gonna have to try to figure it out over the next what you hope is the six to eight weeks. Yeah. And and look, I, I just hope he's back and he's healthy for the playoffs. I hope Kevin Durant is back and healthy for the playoffs. But um, you're right. In the, in the meantime, you know, they're going to have to try to figure it out in Phoenix with with Chris Paul missing. Now, one of the things um, getting back to the All-Star game, Rob, that I did not particularly like, and that was with Chris Paul, was that it was announced that he had this injury and that he was going to miss some time, but he still played in the all-star game. I mean, he didn't play long. He wanted to play long enough to get one assist. And, you know, for me, I'm thinking, yo, man, you you got a busted hand and you can't play for your team in the regular season. And you're going to go out there and play in the exhibition and perhaps, you know, look, every time you get on the court, you can get injured, right? So he, you could do more damage to that hand. I, I I just didn't, I didn't like that part. I really didn't. And I didn't, you know, I, I thought he should have just sat out the game. Yeah, I agree. Anything could have happened, like a bad pass, you know, him bumping into someone, trying to get a ball. That could have just, you know, six, eight weeks easily turned into the rest of the season. <laughs> you know, and then there go yeah. the playoffs. So, yeah, he should have just, you know, fine, stay there for the introductions, do all that stuff, but just sit out. You know, that's it. Call it a day. You'll be, yeah. you'll, you're there, share with the teammates, sit on the bench, and just chill, man. Yeah. But to sit, to be out there on the court, it's you're risking it. Yeah, yeah. Now, as far as the NBA All Star festivities, first of all, I will say this: basketball is my favorite sport. Right. You know, I work in baseball. I've been working in baseball for over 20 years. You know, Rob, sometimes I I talk to people and I say, well, you work in baseball and basketball is your favorite sport. I'm like, do you think the guy who works at Dunkin Donuts that his favorite dessert is donuts? Probably (laughs) not. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) so, yeah, I work in baseball, but that doesn't mean that's my favorite sport. You know what I mean? Um, but basketball is my favorite sport, man. And I got to tell you, I, man, seeing all those great players at the all-star game, you know, when they had this, you know, the 75 were there and, and just yeah. even the current all-stars and even the future stars, Rob, I'm telling you, man, it's something about seeing all of these, I mean, you know, seeing, you know, Michael and, 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 and magic and, and, you know, Kareem and all those guys, man. Um, 
it was it was really really special man whenever you see nba players getting together it's something else man these are some tremendous tremendous players man yeah i was just about to say that um you see with the nba it just feels different when their legends come together you know like you see it in the nfl guys bring back their team their their former players and stuff like that mlb you know old timers day and stuff like that but with the nba it's just for some reason and i don't know why i i honestly don't know but it just feels different man like there's an there's an an energy of greatness that you see like when like when michael was walking out or you know whatever whoever you know it just feels so different and mm. to see them all together it almost makes you a little emotional seeing it yeah and then you start reflecting on like when you were you know your younger days seeing all these guys playing and stuff like that it was it's crazy, man. But it was it was yeah. a special, special moment to see everyone everyone together like that. Sure. It, it really is. And, you know, I think part of it, Rob, is that, you know, for me, and I think a lot of fans may feel this way, you feel that you know NBA players mm. different than other athletes. You know, one, because they're so close to the court. They don't have on helmets. So you, you see their faces all the time, you know, um, You know, I I think they're more personable. I think the league does a really good job of marketing their players, whether it's, you know, walking into the tunnel before the game or the post game or whatever, you know. um, So I think you get a sense that you know these players more so than you know football players or you know baseball players. I also think because there's so few players on the team, Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you, yeah. it's it's more of a close knit family. You know, football has fifty some odd players. Baseball has twenty five, you know, um, twenty six on the normal roster. But basketball only has what twelve to fifteen players, and the guys at the end of the bench you don't really care about. But those eight, you may really yeah. know the eight who are in the rotation. And so I think you you kind of feel like they're more family. You kind of like you know them more so than athletes in some of these other sports. Yeah, that may be it. That may be it. And I think with basketball, too, I think because it has that family feel, when you do reflect on, you know, the past, like even just talking now, I can remember Jordan hitting the game-winning shot, you know, in the finals. Mm -hmm. Like I remember sitting Mm -hmm. in my living room with my parents and my brother watching it happen. So stuff like that is like, wow. Like it, it's nostalgic almost to, to feel it and see it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So seeing all the greats, it just, it feels different. And when you see it in basketball, it just feels so different. Now, you know, NBA, I think, and, you know, I saw Josh Donaldson come out and say MLB has the best all-star game or the only game that matters. And I'm like, okay, Josh, um, <laughs> Okay. Um, but the NBA All-Star Weekend, I thought was pretty good. I did not see the celebrity um, All-Star game on Friday night. Um, I saw bits and pieces of highlights. But I did see enough to see that mountain of a man called Miles Garrett. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> of the Cleveland Browns, right? I mean, first of all, he's amazing. It's like six four, and I don't know two seventy. And you know, there's videos of him on Twitter and elsewhere dunking the basketball like crazy, right? Yeah. Um, and seeing him out there playing, I mean, 
you know, I don't know if you've watched that show on, um, I think it was on Amazon Prime or Prime Video, Reacher. I have, have no. You? Okay, because Reacher is supposed to be a mountain of a man and, you know, he's out <laughs> there doing all this stuff. Listen, Miles Garrett is a mountain <laughs> of a man. <laughs> Woo. I was he got all those celebrities see. running around him. I'm like, you better watch out. Yeah. I was waiting to see if someone would try to take a charge or something from that man. Oh, boy. <laughs> man. Yeah, hey, he's something else. So I didn't watch much, much of that. But I do know this, that my man, Alex Toussaint, the Peloton, yeah. <laughs> won the MVP. And, you know, it's funny because I got a Peloton. And I always ride with Alex. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, he's my guy. You know what I mean? And I'm thinking to myself, man, this guy went out there and won done yeah. MVP. <laughs> he was balling out, man. Hey, he he was doing his thing. Yeah, so he out there and he was, you know, now he's, I mean, he's doing a whole lot of great stuff. He just signed a big endorsement deal with Puma, right? Wow. Yeah, and so he's he's at the top of his game right now. Yeah. And, you know, to go out there now and win the NBA um, Celebrity All-Star Game MVP. Now, look, it's not an NBA. I mean, it's not, you know, <laughs> a league MVP. But, you know, for an All-Star Game with the celebrities, it's still, right? Like you said, he was out there doing it, right? So, um, yeah, man, the, the legacy and, and the legend continues to grow. Alex Toussaint. <laughs> Peloton guy. Jeez, hey, we'll, we'll be out there one day, you and I. We'll, That's we'll, right. We'll, we'll be co MVPs. We'll yeah. do it one day. What, in pickleball? <laughs> <laughs> That's about all I'm going to be doing, bro. <laughs> Speaking of pickleball, you know who should be playing pickleball? Who? And then this is all serious. You know who should be playing pickleball? Who's that? All four of those guys who are in the slam dunk contest because oh, that should be boy. their punishment for putting us through the worst slam dunk contest I think that I've ever seen. I have to agree with that, man. It was so bad. And not a knock on their athletic ability. Obviously, they're in the NBA for a reason, but oh boy. This slam dunk contest was unbearable to watch. And I I almost feel bad for myself that I actually sat through the entire thing. And, and I was kind of hoping for somebody to wow me and never happened. Even my wife was watching it. She was like, this thing is still going on. Can we just turn it off? Cause there's nothing exciting happening here. And, you know, she looks forward to seeing the all-star festivities and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't think anyone was happy with the slam dunk contest. No. No, I know I wasn't. I, I was my wife, you know, she she said to me when I came upstairs, she said, They're getting you mad, huh? Because I talked to the TV when like bad plays and stuff, you know what I mean? Like, and I was I, I I couldn't even explain to her how bad it was. Yeah. I mean, all these missed dunks and and then taking forever to try to get into the dunk. And and it was Man, I don't think they should do away with the slam dunk contest. I don't. Um, just because this was a bad one. But this was a bad one. And, you know, it's unfortunate. But, you know, little blip on the screen on what I believe was otherwise a, a pretty good weekend for 
for the NBA. And as we said earlier, I think the second half is set up pretty nicely, um, you know, with, you know, some new faces and new places and, you know, these teams going to be competing for the playoffs. So it, the, the NBA did okay, despite, you know, a down performance by the slam dunk participants. So, um, Hey, staying with basketball for a second, but going on to the college scene, I, I, you know, by now, I'm sure you saw it. Everyone has probably seen Jawan Howard getting into that little scuffle with, I think his name was Joe Krabenhoft or something like that, an assistant coach for Wisconsin. Um, after the game, be, you know, when they were shaking hands and everything and he mushed him in yeah. the face. Um, first of all, man, um, what are your thoughts on it overall? I mean, Juwan was upset. You know, Wisconsin was beating them, you know, his team. You know, Juwan's the head coach at the University of Michigan. And they were losing. They lost, you know, and the Wisconsin coach called a late timeout. And Juwan didn't like it. <laughs> and, you know, some words were exchanged on the handshake line. And then next thing you know, a scuffle breaks out. Well, what, what were your thoughts on all that? Um, I think it's a lot deeper than just him hitting someone, honestly. Um, and I was talking to a friend of mine the day after this happened, and we kind of shared the same sentiment. I think, you know, in the big picture of it, Joan Howard is the head coach of a, of a basketball team in college, a prominent team. Um, and in situations like this, it could affect the, the players on the team, right? And these are college players. They're not professionals. And we all know the NCAA is all weird about, you know, showcasing the, the talent on their team and, and all this stuff. It goes a much bigger conversation there. So, you know, you put at risk your players when something like this happens because they're going to want to have their coaches back, right? So it could have been a much bigger thing. But also for me, I look at it and I don't know the whole situation. And, and you and I were talking about this off air. We don't know the whole situation, what was said or could possibly have been said that set Jawan Howard off to the point where he got physical with someone. Um, but if something was said to trigger him that bad, especially if he's already heated up, listen, man, at the end of the day, I'm human, you're human, we're all human beings. And I think that's sometimes forgotten in the, in the realm of sports that these people, the coaches, the athletes, et cetera, that they, they are human first and they're going to have reactions and emotions based on what's happening in front of them. And sometimes it's hard to control that emotion when you're already feeling hot. So um, should he have gotten physical with someone? No. Do I necessarily, am I going to, am I condoning it? Absolutely not. Should he have gotten suspended, fined, all that stuff? Of course. But at the end of the day, I think as the coach on the other side on Wisconsin's team, you also have to read the room too. If he's already heated up, just grab your guys and walk out. Don't try to instigate the situation if that's what happened here that led to Jawan Howard doing what he did. Yeah, I think you 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 captured all of it, man. Um, and look, Howard was suspended for five games, so he's going to miss the rest of the um, the regular season. He'll be back for you know the uh, conference tournament, and you know if they go on to the NCAA's or whatever, he'll be there for that. Um, assuming he doesn't punch anybody else out in the meantime. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but you're right. Uh, you know, again, not condoning anything, but sometimes one of the things I 
struggle with is when we kind of look at these situations very clinically, you know, and, and we take the human element out again, no one is saying it was okay for him to do what he did. All I'm saying is, but you may be able to understand, right? But having said that, he still has to pay the price and he is paying the price. And, you know, it's one of those things where he's going to have to make no mistake. He had a great year last year with this team. And, you know, they still have a winning record this year, but they're not as good as they were last year. But this puts more pressure on him, in my opinion, to get back to those winning ways, right? Because they're going to be watching him. And, you know, his margin for error has gotten a lot smaller now. So, you know, regarding his tenure at, at the University of Michigan, he's on a shorter rope, so to speak, or leash, so to speak, than he was before. Um, but hopefully he'll get past this and, um, you know, after the game, he was not apologetic. He was pretty much saying, you know, the coach put his hands on me and it escalated from there. And I'm thinking, bro, you need to own this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he since has now said, Hey, I know I can't do that. Um, and so we are where we are. There has been some talk about banning the, the handshake line and I'm with, um, Tom Izzo, uh, head coach of Michigan State, who said that's ridiculous. That's an overreaction. And I and I think that would be an overreaction. We shouldn't have to ban the handshake line because a skirmish brought, you know, broke out in this situation. So I hope they don't do anything like that. That would be a, a tremendous overreaction, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's a big mistake, too. I agree. I don't think they should even this stuff, this kind of stuff does not happen often. And and if it does, it normally doesn't escalate to this uh, situation where, you know, it gets actually physical like this. So, you know, you can't take one situation and then overreact. So I think they should just let it be. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Um, On another front, uh, Rob, and just, you know, the last basketball note, um, I thought it was interesting. A a guy who I think we both, you know, have come to respect uh, for his voice uh, former player J.J. Redick, um, he had some interesting comments about Zion Williamson, and he was a teammate of Zion at one point, right? And he even said he spoke to Zion about some of the issues that he has with Zion. Um, you know, Redick says Zion is a detached teammate, and he made some really critical comments of Zion in connection with um, uh, the Pelicans picking up C.J. McCollum from the Portland Trailblazers. And McCollum was saying over the weekend that he has yet to speak to Zion. Uh, There's reports out now that they, the two have now spoken, but um, Reddick picked up on these comments and said, that's a complete lack of investment in your own team. Talking about Zion Williamson, he said Zion should have picked up the phone, should have texted McCollum, welcomed him to the team. He said, that's just standard. And you can tell that Reddick was kind of fed up with what he believes is Zion's detachment. Um, I thought those are some very interesting comments and man, I agree with Reddick. Yeah. You know, come on, man. You just get a guy who's brought to the team 
supposedly to play alongside you and Ingram and help you guys win some games if you ever get back on the court, Zion. And you can't even reach out to the guy and say, hey, man, glad you're here. Yeah, it's not not a good look at all, man. And, and yeah, I definitely like the way J.J. Gret- Reddick goes about his business. Um, he's on first take on ESPN now, and, and just hearing him is kind of a breath of fresh air almost because um, he's very real. And yeah. and this was no different. You know, he was very straight up. He Like you said, he was a teammate of Zion's and spoke to him face-to-face. Um, listen, Zion is the face of that franchise, number one overall, the big hype coming out of college. Um, when you make a trade like this and you get a guy in CJ who's not a bad player, he's a really good NBA player, an established player, um, it just didn't work out for whatever reason in Portland with him and Dame, you know, as far as taking the next step. But CJ's a really good player. You're teaming him with Ingram, who's another nice young player. You're trying to build a foundation. As the leader or the projected leader of the franchise in Zion, yeah, it's his duty to kind of reach out and say, hey, I can't wait to get together on the court, you know, whatever I need to do, whatever tips you have to help me get back on the court. Because Zion has missed a lot of time, a lot of time in his young yeah. in his young career. So, you know, when you get a veteran like that, like CJ, who, who's a baller, yeah, man, you have to reach out to him. You have to get something going, get that chemistry working, even though you're not on the court. But I think what JJ said is, is correct. Zion has been detached, and I think we saw that from the moment uh, the Pelicans drafted him. <clears throat> on draft day, you could see his face when they got the number one pick, and, they, and he knew it was going to be him. He didn't want to go there. Maybe he wanted to end up with the Knicks and, you know, in New York and all that stuff. But you could see that he just wasn't buying in to going to New Orleans. And unfortunately, that's continued. And it's, for me, I feel like it's a lack of professionalism on his part. And we could chalk it up to him being young. But then that's where the people around him as well have to say, listen, you're in this situation. Make the best of it. Stay in shape. Ball out. And then... If you ball out, we could find a way to get you out of here later down the road when when the time comes. But you have to prove yourself as an NBA player to get that right to speak, you know, about where you want to go. Right now, Zion hasn't done that. He has nothing to to stand on as far as an NBA player. So I think that that does need to change with him very very fast. Man, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Zion is very close to becoming one of the biggest busts in NBA history. If he doesn't get back out on the court, if he doesn't get himself healthy, return to action and stay consistently on the court and produce, he's going to go down in history as one of the biggest busts in the NBA. And I like Zion, you know, um, you know, I, I remember him playing in, you know, the the McDonald's All America game and all the rest of that stuff and seeing him playing out there man among boys and going to Duke and doing his thing there even when he busted out of his shoe and all the rest of that <laughs> stuff you know um, and you know he's come into the league and he's <clears throat> you know he's had some trouble it seems with his conditioning with his weight and obviously with injuries and he's got to you know he's got some work to do. Um, I'm not rooting against him, but if he doesn't turn it around quick, you know, we're going to be talking about what could have been with Zion Williamson. 
and it won't be good. His 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 legacy will not be good. So hopefully he's a young guy still. Hopefully he can he can get over these injuries and get back to playing. But um, right now, whether it's on the court or off the court in a situation like this, he's not he's not holding himself out too well right now. So hopefully that will will change. Um, speaking about change, Rob, you mentioned this to me. The settlement uh, U.S. women's soccer team reached uh, with U.S. soccer. million settlement of their lawsuit, uh, equal pay lawsuit. Um, There's still some, I think, uh, negotiating and and finalization that has to happen, but it certainly appears, you know, that that dispute is over and the women will have prevailed to the tune of $24 million in their equal pay suit. What do you think about that, man? I think it's a step in the right direction. I think it's great uh, for the women's soccer team. Obviously, there's a lot of notable athletes on that team that we all know. And, you know, they, they brought championships to the to the U.S. You know, and it's great to see that. And it's great that, that they were able to, to get this victory for them. Um, but on the other hand, also, it's unfortunate that it had to get to this, where they had to go through the court system and all that stuff just for equal pay when this should have been, it should have never been that issue to begin with. Um, obviously that's a much, much bigger conversation there, but um, for now, I think we have to celebrate, celebrate this and, you know, hope for more change across other sports and other industries so that men and women do get equal pay um, for this, you know, as far as the pay equity that we, sh- we get rid of that. You, we need to see women being paid the way they should be paid. Yeah, look, and I think I think the women's soccer team, you know, was sort of particularly situated where they could make a really good case, and they did. One because they're very good. Second because they generate just as much, if not more, revenue than the men. Um, which a lot of times the revenue disparity in the sports is the reason why that you see the pay disparity, right? WNBA players, right? They don't, they're not generating the same type of revenue as NBA players, right? And so. Um, it's all about the revenue. Um, but you know, I think here, um, it it was a fight that had a lot of merit, uh, and it's a fight that has now ended in a settlement that's favorable for, for the women. And I think the, you know, United States women's soccer team has both on the field and off really been an inspiration, I believe. Um, for young girls and for women in so many ways um, as athletes, as women, as, you know, as people who are willing to stand up, speak their minds, support causes, be influencers and the rest of it. And I think, you know, adding, you know, this particular legal fight to their resume, so to speak, and coming out with a very favorable settlement just simply adds to what I think, is the overall impact of some remarkable women um, on the soccer team. So congratulations to them. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, A couple of quick ones before we get on up out of here. Um, Brian Flores has landed a job um, with the Pittsburgh Steelers as a defensive assistant and a linebackers coach under head coach Mike Tomlin. Not much of a, of a surprise there, right? That he would, that Mike Tomlin would put him down on his staff 
and that also he would end up in all places, the Pittsburgh Steelers, given, you know, the connection to the Rooney rule and all the rest of that. Yeah, definitely not a surprise there. It's actually good to see that he got a job too. Um, yeah. Obviously he has the lawsuit going on and all that stuff, um, but not surprised at all that Mike Tomlin and, and the Pittsburgh Steelers came out and, and hired him because at the end of the day, he is a great coach. Um, a great defensive mind, and I think he's going to do great with Pittsburgh, and hopefully this leads to a head coaching job again in the NFL for him. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, Tomlin probably is going to be around for a while, but you never know. Um, yeah. And, you know, does he – is he going to you know, essentially not necessarily groom Flores for a job because he's already been a head coach, but, you know – down the line could that be a transition who knows too early to tell but certainly flores is back and that just helps him you know what i mean um if you know in the event there's other head coaching opportunities down the line i still think he's probably a few years away from being considered as a head coach quite frankly i just do i just think these owners are going to have a long memory you know i definitely i definitely agree with that so i could i could see that happening with him yeah, but at least he's back in the game, and so that's a good thing. Um, what's not so good, Rob, is that the MLB lockout continues, and you know the reports that that are coming out of this week's negotiations, at least up until right now, have not been very positive. Now that could change at any time, but it hasn't been very positive. Spring training games are already postponed. MLB has said if an agreement is not reached with the players union by February 28th, that regular season games will be postponed. And so we're a couple of days away from that particular deadline. One that by the way, the union doesn't agree with. Um, But bottom line is, you know, we're still in the midst of a lockout and we're a couple of days away from March. Yeah, man, it's not a good look at all. At least um, the sides are meeting which is different than we could have said, you know, last month or even a few weeks ago um, where there was a lot of time in between meetings. So at least they're meeting, you know, it seems like going to be on a daily basis until the end of the week, maybe, maybe longer. So we'll see, hopefully some, something changes. There's a shift in, in the process and stuff like that. And we can finally start making, they can start making agreements slowly on maybe some of the smaller stuff, or maybe who knows, maybe there's a great development on something big, and we we see some light at the end of the tunnel. But right now, it's not a good look. Um, it's it's unfortunate because I need my baseball, Jeff. But I'm holding out hope, <laughs> yeah. man. I'm holding out hope. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the rights of spring, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Spring training, and then you get into the regular season, and, and, and then you go on into the summer and so forth. Um, but like you said, I mean, look – it could be a situation where it's one proposal away from breaking a log jam that leads to fruitful discussions. You know, you could hope that, 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 that happens. And uh, if it does, then, you know, we'll be, you know, that much closer to baseball again. Um, and speaking of baseball real quickly, man, one name I just want to throw out there, cause I know you're a Yankees fan, but you know, you and I talked about this, that of all the free agents who remain, uh, out there. Freddie Freeman to me is intriguing because you're starting to hear rumblings coming out of Atlanta that they may not bring him back. And Freddie Freeman is a great first baseman, you know, um, 
has helped Atlanta, been one of the best players in the game for a long time for the yeah. Braves. And, you know, if he's available, um, I would think your hometown Yankees might be interested in him. And so would a number of other teams around the league. Yeah. He's listen. He's still, he's only 32 years old, great first baseman, great bat, great personality. It seems, you know, on the field, in the clubhouse, fun guy to be around. You can see him joking around when he's mic'd up and all that stuff. Um, if the Braves let him walk, I think it'll be a big mistake for the team, for the franchise, for the fan base. Uh, he's just one of those guys that you just don't want to see on a different team. As great as it would be to see him in pinstripes for the next, you know, five to seven years, whatever contract he gets, I kind of don't want want him to leave. You know, it's it, I kind of, you know, look at him as like not, not so much an accomplishment, but like a Derek Jeter type where he stayed with that one franchise for his whole career. That's kind of what I see Freddie Freeman and the Braves. So hopefully, you know, he follows the footsteps of, you know, like a Chipper Jones and stays there for his whole career and they figure something out. Braves don't let him walk. You know, as much as I would love to see him with the Yankees and the Bronx leading us to a championship because we need one. Hey, you got to keep Freddie Freeman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I Look, I'm hoping that the Braves get it done. Look, I'm a Mets fan. And so, you know, with the Braves and the Mets sharing the same division, if the Braves got weaker, I wouldn't be sad about it. But having said that, yeah, it's something about Freddie Freeman, you know, yeah, he, he belongs on the Braves. right? Yeah. Um, and so you kind of hope that that gets done. But having said that, Rob, we both know, at the end of the day, this is a business and business decisions are going to be made. And so we'll see what that means for Freddie Freeman. We'll see what that means for Carlos Correa, but mm-hmm. we have to wait until the lockout is over before we see much of anything um, as far as baseball is concerned. So, all right, brother, that'll wrap it up for us, man. Um, great, great getting back again, man, and talking about, you know, various things, man, and and looking forward to, as we said, the NBA season, looking forward, hopefully, to baseball coming back. Also, looking forward to March Madness, which is yeah. right around the corner as well. So a lot of good stuff on the horizon. And most of all, man, look back to coming back um, and doing this again with you next week and just taking a tour around the world of sports man until then man you know be good man and stay out of trouble and stay out of that snow i know you 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 guys are gonna get some snow this week um yeah so not looking forward to that nah stay out of that snow bro we don't we don't need you getting injured man we need you (laughs) back in the saddle next week so we can do this again but uh always good talking to you man look forward to doing it again next week sounds like a plan man take care all right you too brother